You're listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us at 1pc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. The scripture reading this morning comes from Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 31 through 59. Uh, Before we read the scripture, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hunger for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham, have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Then Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, and yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the words of Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father, the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are Samaritan and have a a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never, never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? 
And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Word of God for the people of God. We talk a lot about freedom. We talk about uh, liberty and, and uh, being free. And um, I wonder, do we really understand what that means? Um, what is freedom? Is freedom getting to do whatever we want? Or is freedom, is it really freedom to do whatever we want if we have real no, if we don't have control over what those desires and wants are? Um, in other words, I might decide that I want to diet and lose a few pounds, that I'm not going to eat um, um, extra few pieces of pizza or go to Ming's for lunch. And that 11.45, I'd find myself uh, doing that or I find myself at the table and my appetite, my desire means I eat something I don't want to eat, but I really do want to. Uh, I'm conflicted with desires. Maybe you've experienced that. I can, I can remember I used to smoke cigarettes and I smoked because I wanted. And there was a time I didn't want to smoke anymore. I still lit up. I still bought a pack. I still smoked them. And the entire time I was smoking, I was thinking, I really wish I didn't smoke this. Was I free? Was I, I was doing what I wanted to do, but I had no real control over what I wanted. And you have probably known people like that or experienced a, certain, a similar thing. So are we free even when we are free to follow appetites and desires that we don't necessarily choose or want? Um, are we free if we're making choices that we've been led into by deception? Um, if, you know, we purchase something, but we've been misled about what it would be, is that real freedom? Are we being free if we are, find ourselves doing things out of mere habit? Um, I have stopped using Facebook and other social media because I would find I would go to the internet uh, or go to my computer with every intention of looking up some theological term and like Pavlov's dog hitting the icon for my browser come up automatically meant I hit the Facebook page. And then I'm scrolling down and thinking, oh, that looks like a really nice way to do hamburgers. And then realizing, whoa, I, I, this isn't where I started. I've had someone sharing with me. I won't name them who found themselves just scrolling on their phone with paying no attention. They've just discovered muscle memory is just built in to things. Are we freely choosing to do these things when people have learned how to instill habits and, and kind of manipulate us into doing things we haven't truly made a choice to do? Jesus is still addressing the people in the temple. And he's going to tell them about freedom and how they become free. Um, freedom, ultimate freedom, in the sense of knowing truth and knowing what reality is and having true freedom in Christ. Um, he's, just spe he's speaking to those who've just believed him. Remember, he's talked about he's the light of the world. And now he's talking about those who he's talking to those who would believe in him. In chapter eight, verse thirty-one, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, "If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." So let's let's kind of work through that. 
if he says the truth will set you free, the implication is that means you begin in a state of bondage, in a state of slavery, that you do not start in a state of freedom. We, in our identity, by our nature, are in bondage to the enemy, to Satan, the father of lies and the one who is a murderer from the beginning. This is a theme that's going throughout John. He says, you're, you're in the flesh. You are from below. You are of the world. You are in darkness. All of this is to say that our nature, apart from Christ, is that we're in rebellion against God, that we are under um, Adam. We are under the, the, the domain of Satan, of the evil one. And so this is why um, he's constantly been telling us, you must be born again. If you're perfectly fine, you just need a helping hand. If you are children in opposition to God, you don't need a helping hand. You need a new creation. You need to be born again. That's why the prologue says that to all those who did receive him, he gave a right to become children of God, which means do those not receiving, and, and bef- we, before we receive, are not children of God. We must be made children of God. Now, I imagine that goes against everything that we tend to hear. We rebel against that idea. How dare anyone say that someone is not a child of God? It, it strikes me as interesting. I can watch one week's worth of news and the outrage, and the violence, and the inhumanity. I mean, it doesn't take long to, to see the violent, horrible things that people do. And, and, and then these, you know, and then somebody says, well, people are basically good by nature. Well, I know my own heart, and I'm, I'm, I know my own selfishness. And I know my own desire, if not to do horrible, horrific, as bad as possible, I know at least my own desire to tell a story in the way that puts me in the best light. I I know my own desire to seek out for what's best for me. And and what I realize in these other horrific things is restraint of those same things in each of our heart has just been taken away. How can we look at the news and not understand there is a world of darkness? And apart from God's grace, we're not basically good because we act from our nature. This whole thing he's doing, he's saying is, um, you're, you're acting like your father. You're acting like um, your, your father because you're acting like what your nature is. And, and we do that. We, you know, we, we don't do things to create our nature. We have a nature and we create it. That's why Jesus said, you know, a, a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree produces good fruit. It's the nature of the tree that produces the fruit. You, you don't become a good tree by tying apples to leaves. It comes out of your heart. It comes out of who you are. And by nature, we're not good. We act like our father. Graham, for a few years now, has come in with interesting facts that he leads off with, apparently, and for several months, I was, where is he getting this? Is, is there some guy on YouTube who says, apparently? And then I walk in, and I tell Robin, well, apparently, 
and it hits me where he's heard it. <sighs> and I look at my children, and parents, don't you know, the most frustrating things about your children are the things you don't like about yourself that you see in them. <laughs> children are like us. They sometimes very good, you know, wonderfully so. Sometimes in a way that, well, I wish I didn't do that so much. We sin because we are sinners. We are like our father, Adam, who rejected God. We are not sinner. We're, we're not um, um, sinners because we do the acts. We do the acts because of our nature. Apart from Christ, we are enslaved to sin. Our acts of sinning are a result of, of nature enslaved to sin. That's what Jesus says in verse 34. I say to you, everyone who practices practice sin is a slave to sin. In, in verse 44, uh, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do the father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his character. He is a liar and the father of lies. And he says this, telling this to people who are rejecting the truth and who are um, seeking to kill him. He says, you're acting just like him who is acting from his nature. So we need a new birth. We need to be set free from this bondage into the new family of God so that then we act from our new nature. We act like our new father. We act like God. At the risk of dating myself, apparently, <laughs> I haven't seen a, many movies since 1999, and I actually saw this one about five years after it came out, but the movie The Matrix is a pretty neat depiction of someone who gets a new view of reality. I'm not seeing the nods of acknowledgement, so I, let me lean to the nerds here. Um, <laughs> the Matrix is a sci-fi movie where, um, all right, plug your ears if, you're, you know, if this is in your queue at Netflix and you haven't gotten around to it, but it's they're, they're, they're Aliens have kind of overtaken the earth and they're just putting people in pods and they're living by virtual reality, but they're really just stuck in this pod with a bunch of goo. And they, but they all think they're living reality. And one of these characters is freed from this by given a choice. He can take a red pill and he knows reality and he can see what's really going on. Or he can take the blue pill and just kind of blissfully enjoy um, his delusion. Uh, but it's a, it's a wonderful sense because everybody else is in this false sense and they think they're real uh, but the, this other character is given the opportunity to see reality in other words to know the truth and the truth sets him free so that that's what jesus means is by coming to the truth by knowing jesus by hearing his word it's not that you just get some facts and you have freedom and you're better than anybody else what it is is you come to understand reality you're, you're set free from the deception of Satan. You're set free from um, the deception of appetites that lead to our harm. You're set free from all these things so that you are living in God's reality and what is really true. See, the world is deceived. The world is a fantasy world. We come together here outside of a place that lives the most fundamental lie of all, that there is no God, that there is no creator, that I'm not accountable. And we're constantly being told stories that just kind of assume that lie and surrounded by people who just fall into that trap, 
who are enslaved to this deception and sin. And we need someone outside of ourselves to free us. Now this AA uh, of their, their 12 steps recognize this. You recognize that you're powerless over what has a hold on you. And you recognize that you can't free yourself, that you need a power higher than yourself to set you free. That, that's what we see is we need someone who is greater than ourselves, who is not in bondage like us, and that is the Son. Verse 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And the reason Jesus can do this is because he precedes us. He's not one of us. He's not in bondage. He's not deceived. He is sent by the Father. He speaks what the Father says. He honors the Father. He knows the Father, and he keeps his word. He knows the Father, and he's sent by the Father to come and to save us. And he tells us, as he's talking about Abraham, that he is greater than Abraham. He is greater than Moses, that who's the prophet he's talking about. He's greater than these. They died, and, but he is greater because he was before them. We should be stunned when we read verse 58. They're asking him, how, how dare you can say that you are um, greater than Abraham? You're not even 50 years old. How did, you, how did Abraham possibly see your day? Um, how did Abraham possibly know you? And Jesus said, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. You might not catch that, but what Jesus is saying is absolutely mind-blowing. First, he's saying he's eternal. Do you see what he's saying? Abraham was, past tense. Jesus says, I am, present tense. He's outside of time. He's beyond time. He's before time. Jesus is the one who was in the beginning before creation. He's eternal. But more than that, He's divine because he says, I am. Um, that is the name God showed to Moses in the burning bush. When, I, when Moses says, who shall I say sent me? God says, tell them I am sent you. John uses this phrase, I am the bread of life. I am um, the good shepherd throughout. But here he uses it in a way that's very clear. He's referring to himself with the divine name. Because he isn't following it up with an object. I am something. It is I am. The Jews who were there, the, the Jewish leadership, the Pharisees who did not believe him, they understood exactly what he was saying. That's why they picked up stones. That's why they eventually sent him to the cross. As Jesus was saying, I am God. As clear as he possibly could into that culture. And so we hear this, and we don't simply acknowledge it a fact, but it's a truth to be lived, to continue in, to remain, to abide. Verse 1, if you abide, you are truly my disciples. By the way, that doesn't say, if you abide, you will become my disciple. That, it means that if you abide, it proves that you are truly my disciple. Verse 51, if, if you keep my words, you will not taste death. Um, in other words, it's not just that initial belief, but it's an initial belief that perseveres, that endures, that shows that we are truly freed, that we truly have been brought into the family. In other words, 
true faith is true faith that continues, that endures, that doesn't fall away. And I say that because we're in a, we're in a culture that has this huge lie that if you just raise your hand somewhere, if you just say that you believe the fact about Jesus, that you're saved. But that's not what Jesus talks about as saving faith. Uh, we use the term easy believism. It's the idea of you've reduced saving faith in Christ to just kind of a recognizing a fact without trusting it or committing to it. And so much of American church has sent people to hell convinced that they are saved because it's told them that just a vague belief in God and kind of a trust that um, in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, apart from calling for repentance and apart from calling for a personal trust in that person and apart from a faith that continues and perseveres, that that just kind of vague belief is saving faith. These words are for the believers warning us that we are to continue to cling to him, endure in the faith. And true disciples are not the ones who start out. True disciples show themselves to be true, not because they're keeping this in their own power, but that grace perseveres and they continue in the faith. It is he who holds us fast, as we sang, but we do stay held fast we do continue we persevere in the faith because of this we are freed from sin and the result of sin he referred to the devil as um, the father of lies and the one who was a murderer from the beginning for it is the evil one who tempted our parents in the garden with the deceit you will not die did God really say you shall be as God's and the belief in that deception is what leads to our death. For on the day you shall eat of it, you shall die. From the beginning, he was deceiving us in order to lead to our death, a, a murderer and a liar. And so knowing the truth sets us free from that. Knowing the truth, verse 35, um, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Makes you a son. You remain in the house of the father forever. And Jesus has promised that you will never taste death. Not, not, not passing from this life, but true eternal death. Separation from life. Separation from truth. So the questions this raise for us, are you living the truth? Do you realize how many lies you are surrounded with on a daily basis? You walk in the grocery store, you see magazine covers that tell you if you're not um, perfection physically, that even the models themselves can't attain. They're, they're photoshopped, but it's the lie that if we're not there, we're not quite what we need to be. That if you don't have a certain level of wealth, if you don't have a job, if, if, if you don't have certain things, then you are not succeeding. The best way to fulfill life is buy more stuff drop relationships that don't fulfill your needs. The, the real way to fill that void that you fill in your life is entertainment and more entertainment and more entertainment. Numb yourself from truth. The lies that any discomfort or inconvenience is a sign of some kind of problem in the universe. So you better look out for yourself and you better 
make sure you're having fun because that is the ultimate point. With these lies surrounding you, do you know the truth? Has the truth set you free? Are you living out of that freedom? Or are you still trying to chase the deceptions and chase the lies? Um, do you let the things around you shape your reality? Or do you let scripture, do you, do you let brothers and sisters, do you let the truth of God's word determine how you really live? Because if we can come to Christ and continue to live like everybody else in the world around us. In other words, would anyone watching you recognize there is something different about your lifestyle and the people you have relations with and the way you spend your resources and the way you spend your time and the values you pass on? Or do we look just like everyone else? Do you abide in his word and let that reality shape you um, and do you have this hope that to persevere, to obtain this glory, to, to remain in his house? Um, I shared this on a Wednesday night, but I was thinking of how many changes life brings at us uh, with Keelan going to college that has become more real to us as our life is, is changing. And as my parents grow older as I see more people I knew dying, as I see more gray hair in the mirror, the, the lyrics, time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its sons away. They fly forgotten as a dream, dies at the opening day. There is joy in our changes. There is joy in new life. There's joy in um, child going to college. There, there's joys, but there also there's the sorrow of change of knowing death comes closer every day, of knowing the good that we enjoy now will not last. And what wonderful hope that if you are a son or a daughter, if you have been set free and are no longer a slave to sin, you dwell in the household of God. And whatever changes this world brings to you, you will be in his arms for all eternity, never tasting death, but knowing his glory and have the security of that glory that will never be taken away. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. And you've been listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us and listen to other sermons at onepc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee.